Welcome and thanks for listening to the Community Christian Church Podcast. To learn more about Community Christian Church, visit us online at cccsterling.org. Today's message comes from Pastor Chris Ria. Have you ever experienced a moment that's changed your life forever? Have you ever experienced a moment that's changed your life forever? You see, things can happen quickly. Even this morning, on our way to church, Megan and I were driving down the road. We were right here on Dobry Road, heading towards Ryan, about to turn right, when all of a sudden, two little deer came running out. And the car in front of me stopped, hit the brakes. I saw what was going on. I hit my brakes. But the guy behind me was looking down. I looked in the rearview mirror. I saw he's looking down for a second, and he's coming full tilt, at least 45 miles an hour. And all of a sudden, he looks up. He sees that we're stopped, slams on his brakes, swerves out of the way, and we barely avoid an accident. Then he gives me a look like, what are you doing? <laughs> Man, then, for sure, then he turned right onto Ryan Road, and I thought for sure he was going to pull in here this morning, <laughs> and I was going to call him out in front of everyone. <laughs> but no, he kept going. But it happens fast. In just a moment, life can change. My wife and I have been watching this Netflix documentary on a guy by the name of David Beckham. David Beckham was a, is a soccer player. He grew up in England. And at 17 years old, he started playing professional soccer for Manchester United back in 1992. And he was good. And when I say good, he was phenomenal. At 17 years old, he started playing soccer. All eyes were on him. He was making an impact for his team. And in 1998, he was invited by his country, England, to play in the World Cup. Just phenomenal thing. 23 years old, playing in the World Cup. He was a hero. He was adored by everyone in England. They loved him. He became the face of England. He was on billboards and everywhere he went, people just fawned over this guy. But then there was a moment that changed everything in the World Cup in 1998 when they were playing Argentina. And I want to show you this clip real quick this morning. Fantastic goal. Then an amazing moment. David Beckham. Kicking out, and the replay, showing that what he did was stupid, right in front of the referee, who produced a red card. Beckham couldn't believe it, becoming only the... So to some of you, that might not have seemed like a big deal or a lot was going on. But what happened in that clip is David Beckham was hit from behind. And then he kind of threw his leg up in anger and kicked another player in the back of the leg. And that player exaggerated it a little bit like soccer players do from time to time. And he fell over. His name was Diego Samoan. And he fell over. 
And the referee came up to David Beckham and gave him a red card. Now, why is that a big deal? Well, if you don't know soccer, okay, you can get a yellow card or a red card. If you do something, a foul is extreme. A yellow card's a warning. Don't do this again. A red card, you get ejected from the game. And not only do you get ejected from the game where David Beckham could no longer play, but his team had to play with only 10 guys. So it was 10 on 11, and there was 70-some minutes left in the game that England had to play Argentina with one less person. And England ends up losing this game. And they lose the game... And all of a sudden, David Beckham, instead of being a hero, became the most hated person in England. His coach threw him right under the bus, said he was the reason they lost. And all of England turned on him. In fact, even playing for his home team, Manchester United, when he took the field, he would get booed for two years straight. He'd get booed. He had death threats made against him and his wife, Victoria. They had a baby, and their baby was threatened to be kidnapped. Whenever he went out in public, people cursed him out, yelled at him, wanted to fight him, wanted to fight his wife in the stands, wanted to fight his parents. He couldn't go anywhere without being harassed for two years. In his home country, in his hometown, couldn't go anywhere. Talk about fall from gates. Talk about everything changing in a moment. It's a sad story, really. Don't worry, he redeemed himself two years later. You can watch the documentary if you want to learn more. But we're in a series called Come and See, and the reason I bring this up is because last week Pastor Tony talked about the death of Jesus and how that changed everything, and today I want to talk about the resurrection of Jesus and how in one moment of history, it changed everything for everyone, everywhere in one moment. There's powerful moments that happen in life that change everyone and everything in our lives. I want to read this morning in Mark chapter 16, 1 through 8. I want to talk about just the resurrection for a few moments. The word says this, When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, brought, bought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. They were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. It was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. And he said to them, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. Go see the place where they laid him. But go tell the disciples and Peter that he's going before you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. And they went out and fled from the tomb for trembling and astonishment had seized them and they said nothing to anyone for they were afraid. 
Right here, we see a powerful moment. A crucified Jesus who should have been dead in the tomb is now risen from the dead. And in that moment, it changed the world. That resurrection that happened Sunday morning, which is why we have church on Sunday morning, celebrating the resurrection to this day. That's why we do it. But he rose from the dead, which meant everything he said about himself was true. Every word he spoke about himself was true. He was the Messiah. He was the Son of God. He was the Christ. And he proved it by raising from the dead. And it changed everything. And this morning, I want to give you three powerful truths from the resurrection that we can practically apply to our lives. The first one is this. Because of the resurrection, life has triumphed over death. Life has triumphed over death. You see, Jesus died, but he didn't stay dead. He rose from the dead. And he gave us this powerful truth. In Romans 10, 9, it says this, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Saved from what? Saved from death. Able to spend an eternity with God in heaven. But the crucial part is you've got to believe that God raised him from the dead. And when you do in that moment, life triumphs over death. You know, I love water baptism. Every time we do water baptisms, I love it. We did one a few weeks ago. And it's always amazing to me Because every time we do a baptism, there's something powerful happening up here. Yes, it's symbolic. Yes, it's a public declaration of your faith. But something powerful is happening. And I love even the way we do full immersion baptism. And I know I'm not here to debate the way baptism should be, but I love full immersion baptism because what it does is it shows us this symbol of us going down, identifying with the death and burial of Christ, but then rising up just as he rose from the dead and us becoming a new creation in him, having eternal life with him forever. It's a powerful, powerful picture and image And this last time, I happened to be standing in the back with Jeff Maddock, and and people were coming to get spontaneously baptized. As they were being moved, they decided, I want to go, and I want to get baptized. And and it was the coolest thing, because we, we give them, you know, clothes to wear But this imagery I have in my mind is they went and they would change in the bathroom. They'd come out with their clothes in like this black garbage bag was their old clothes. And then they had these new clothes. And even some people came up here with the garbage bag in their hand. And it just was this picture in my mind. 
of, of this old self, this old baggage, this old stuff I've been carrying or holding on to. I'm letting it go. I'm getting in the waters of baptism and I'm going to become a new creation in Christ. Death no longer has a hold on my life from this moment on. Powerful truth. It's amazing. So that's the first thing is that this resurrection, if you believe it, if you buy into it, if you give your life to it, you have life. We don't have to mourn like other people mourn lost because we get to see our loved ones again. We get an eternity with God and that is just an amazing thing that God did for us. Life triumphs over death. The second thing is good triumphed over evil. Good has triumphed over evil. I mentioned a couple weeks ago that I just hate injustice. I hate when evil people get away with doing things that are not just and right in this world. But it happens. And it happens because way back in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve were walking with God. There was no death. There was no pain. There was no evil. And God said, don't eat from that tree. You can eat from all these trees, but just don't eat from that one because when you do, you'll understand good and evil. And Adam and Eve ate from that tree. And in a moment, everything changed. Once again, a moment that changed the world. Everything changed. That sin brought physical death into our world. It brought pain into our world. It brought evil into our world. And it can feel sometimes like evil has dominated the earth from that moment. You hear of murder and assault and heartache and loss and disease and illness and tragedy and all kinds of temptation that's out there. That's there because of that moment in the garden. But Jesus fixed that moment. One of my favorite passages of scripture is found in Romans 5, 18 and 19. There's two verses that pack pretty much the entire, sums up everything we need to believe in, two verses. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, so by one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. So much truth. It shows that God had a plan all the way back in the Garden of Eden for good to triumph over evil, for him to beat the devil. He knew when Adam and Eve sinned, that one act would lead to sin. It would lead to disobedience. It would lead to tragedy, heartache, evil, pain. But then Jesus' one act of righteousness, his death and resurrection in a moment, triumphed over all of that evil. And yes, there's still evil and there's still pain in the world. But there will be a day that there won't be. 
And we get to be part of that, that defeat of evil. That's why everyone loves a good superhero movie, right? They love it because in these stories, what you have is you have a villain. You have an evil person. You have someone who's trying to bring calamity on the earth, trying to gain power over innocent people, and then a hero rises up. And that hero takes on the evil in the world. Does anyone ever root for the evil guy to win? Not really. We are a people that love to see good prevail over evil, and that's what the cross did. One of my favorite movies growing up, uh, don't judge me for this, is Rocky Three. Rocky Three. If you're under 25, you probably have no idea what I just said. But Rocky Three is one of my favorite movies because Rocky is the champion at the time. He's got, he's the heavyweight champion of the world. He has the title. And he gets a little cocky. He gets a little arrogant. He stops working as hard as he used to work. And then this evil guy named Clubber Lang, he comes into the picture and he insults Rocky in front of everyone. I mean, you really don't like this guy in the movie. He insults him. He ridicules him. He makes him look stupid. So Rocky decides to fight him. And in the ring, not only does Rocky lose the fight, but his manager, who was like a father to him, dies right after the fight. And he's devastated. And he's no longer himself. And he's thinking about giving up boxing. And then all of a sudden, he decides to get back to his roots and do the things that his manager taught him to do, and he rises up, and you got that awesome soundtrack where he's training and doing all the work, and then he gets in the ring, and he defeats Clubber Lang in the end. It's a powerful scene. I guess I was the only one who really thought it was that good, but um, <laughs> it was powerful. I just get this picture, like, the resurrection, sometimes we don't we don't think of it this way. Like we, we put all of our stock in the fact that Jesus died and he rose again and, and that's an amazing thing. But what it means for the future is that good has defeated evil and eternal life is possible. Those are the first two things. The third thing is this. Hope over despair. The resurrection gives us hope over despair. There's a popular scripture we read all the time in Proverbs 13, 12. It says, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a desire fulfilled is the tree of life. It's one of those verses you want to focus on. Because there's so much truth in it. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. When we have nothing to look forward to, when the world seems dark, when our future seems dark, we get hopeless, full of despair, and we actually get sick. But a desire fulfilled is the tree of life. 
The resurrection gives us the ability to fulfill the desires that God has placed in our life. God has gifted every single person and given them an avenue to be used by him to do something of significance in this world. And to be honest with you, can I, can I just speak my heart for a minute? With everything going on in the world, it seems that a lot of Christians have turned their attention to the end. Well, this is the fulfillment of biblical prophecy. It's only going to get dark from here. You know, it's going to get worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. And this is what we're speaking over everybody. And we've gotten so focused on the end and how bad it is and how bad it's going to continue to get, we forget that we're supposed to bring hope to the world. Hope deferred make the heart sick. In fact, the word despair means this, the complete loss or absence of hope. We can't live our lives in despair. We've got to believe that a desire fulfilled is the tree of life, that there's still more that God has us to do on this earth, and his resurrection has empowered us to do more than we could ever do on our own. In fact, there are several reasons I believe the resurrection gives us hope to triumph over despair. Because God is a supernatural being. And the resurrection was a supernatural event. People can talk about the miracles of the Bible and they can say, ah, I don't think that really happened. I don't think that really happened. You can't dismiss the resurrection because if we don't believe it, the whole thing is over. That resurrection means that our God is a supernatural God who wants to get involved supernaturally in our lives. He wants to bring his power and use it, use us, and give us something bigger than ourselves to use. That's the beauty of, of the resurrection. Is God says, I still have something for you to do. And this is what I'm talking about. When we think about, oh, it's the end, it's the end, it's the end, we stop realizing we got work to do. We've got hope to bring. We've got gifts to use. We've got people to reach. God's not done. He's not done with us. He wants us to rise in this moment, and he's going to give us the power to do it. I have hope because he gave us the Holy Spirit. When Christ died on the cross and he was leaving to go up, he said, don't worry, I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit. And this is what he says in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. When I was in Bible college, our president, Gordon Anderson of our Bible college, this was his favorite verse. Every time he spoke, he spoke every Friday in chapel. I was there, and every single chapel service on Friday, he brought this verse up. 
And we used to, we used to laugh about it as college students. Wait, it's coming. Acts 1-8, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming, wait. And we'd laugh when he would bring it up. And he'd get so like choked up when he would say this verse. But I know why he would use it every week. And he would even tell us. He would say, listen, if you leave this college and you have all the knowledge of the word and you're way smarter than you were when you came in, and you know the Bible backward and forward, and you know Hebrew, and you know Greek, but you don't have the power of the Holy Spirit, we failed you. The resurrection gives us the Holy Spirit, gives us the ability to go beyond what we can naturally do on our own. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Do you know that's why we have church service on Sunday morning where we gather together? It's not to have just a little bit of worship time or to just preach a good message. It's to understand that the Holy Spirit is here and he can change and transform lives every week. That's why we meet. That's why we simply say, hey, invite someone with you. Because you never know when someone's going to be sitting here, and it's not going to be something I said, it's not going to be something that the worship team does, it's going to be something the Holy Spirit does that none of us could do in a person's life in a moment. A few, last month we had prayer and praise service and our students did the prayer and praise service. And it was powerful. There was a testimony given by one of our students. Her name is Madison. I have permission to share this. But she told a story about how she really didn't grow up going to church. But she started getting curious about God and spiritual things. And an Instagram reel came across her feed and got her really curious about the faith. And what did she do? She went and found a friend who she knew was a Christian. And she said, You're a Christian. I'm curious, I'm learning, I want to know more. And this girl simply said, come to my youth group. Let's go. And invited her to come along for the ride. And Pastor Tyler is giving those students an incredible experience, an opportunity to encounter God every single Wednesday night and in those services and in a retreat that he uh, planned for the students, this girl had an encounter with God that changed her life forever. She knows the Lord. She's reading his word. She's developing a relationship with him. And what was awesome is that her mom got baptized this last week. She brought her mom to the faith. This is what's possible because of the resurrection. This is why we gather. This is why we come together. Because we will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon us. And that power can do more than any of us can do on our own. I pray every single time I preach, God, not a good sermon. You through the power of your Holy Spirit, speak to someone's heart. That's what I want. 
I don't want just a good sermon where we learn some cool things about what we didn't know about the Bible. We'll, we'll do that. I want the sermon to be something that's used by the Holy Spirit to knock on the door of your heart and to do something that only he can do in a moment. The resurrection also gives me hope over despair because something powerful happened due to the resurrection. And it's this, we don't have to carry our junk around anymore. All the baggage in our life, all the pain, all the wrong choices, all the sin, all the mess ups, all the trauma, we don't have to carry it around anymore. We don't have to keep it locked up inside and hope no one really ever finds it out. We don't have to do that because of the resurrection. I love what the psalmist says in Psalm 32, 1 through 7. The psalmist says, I'm sorry, 32, 3 through 5. For when I kept silent... My bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. I acknowledged my sin to you and I did not cover up my iniquity. I said I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. I want to read this in a different version. Same passage. Before I confess my sins... I kept it all inside. My dishonesty devastated my inner life, causing my life to be filled with frustration, irreparable, can't say that word right now, anguish and misery. The pain never let up, for your hand of conviction was heavy on my heart. My strength was sapped. My inner life dried up like a spiritual drought within my soul. Then I finally admitted to you all my sins, refusing to hide them any longer. I said, my life-giving God, I will openly acknowledge my evil actions, and you forgave me. All at once, the guilt of sin washed away and all my pain disappeared. Wow. Because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we have the ability to get forgiveness of sins simply through confessing them to God. The process is a lot different now than it was back then where something had to die and they had to make an animal sacrifice to atone for their sin. Now we have the ability to simply confess our sin and he's saying, why did you hold it in so long? Why did you carry it around? See, this is what we like to do. We want to punish ourselves. I, I know I, I do sometimes. I do something stupid. I say something stupid. I want to punish myself for that. I don't deserve to be free right now. And what happens over time is we hang on to our sin. We hang on to our mistakes. 
We hang on to bitterness. We hang on to animosity. We hang on to these traumas in our life and we we keep them in. And like the word of God says, my bones wasted away through groaning all day long because when you keep that inside, it literally can produce emotional and physical health issues. When we keep it inside, We create emotional and physical pain. But when we confess it and get it out, it feels like a load has been lifted off. And that's why I've always thought that Jesus, or in the Bible it says, confess your sins and he's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. It's not that if we miss a sin or two, we're not going to be cleansed from that unrighteousness. It's that you get to get it out and not hold it any longer. Jesus died on the cross for your past, present, future sin. He rose from the dead and empowered you by the Holy Spirit to live for him. The confession is so that we get it out and it doesn't traumatize our lives. Because just in a moment, I started the sermon by saying, has anything ever changed in a moment? And just as we all sitting here right now, I could probably say to each of you, do you have a moment you regret? Do you have a moment that changed your life in a negative way and it was your fault? Probably every one of us would say yes. But the moment that I love is that just in a moment, we changed everything. In a moment, Jesus saved everything. Amen. And we don't have to be punished for the rest of our lives for sin and bad choices and mistakes and the mistakes of others that have affected us. We can let that go. We can confess it. We can get it out. That's why I believe the resurrection gives us hope over despair. Hope over despair. Would you stand with me this morning? We're going to close this service with a song, but here's what I'm going to ask. I'm believing for one of those moments for you this morning. I'm believing for a moment for you where maybe it's something you've been holding on to and just right there in your seat, you just confess it silently to the Lord and you feel free. I'm believing for a moment that maybe you've been holding on to something, but during the song, you're just going to release it to God right there at the foot of the cross. That's the beauty of the cross and the resurrection is we don't have to carry it. He said, lay it at my feet. The resurrection changed everything. I'm believing for a moment. Some of you, maybe you've played church a lot and had a lot of religion in your life, but the Holy Spirit's saying this is the moment where you take a step of faith and your life's never the same again.
Like this could be the moment where you're different than you were before you came in. This happened to me when I was 16 years old. I played church my whole life up until that point. I knew with the scriptures, I knew the Bible verses, but there was a moment in a service where it changed, where it became real for me. And everything changed that day because I understood, my eyes were open, I understood what it meant to walk with God. I believe that could be a moment for some of you today. What's your moment gonna be? Don't just rush out of this minute. Ask God, God, what's my moment today? Pastor Dave said it earlier when he was talking. He said, maybe it's an unanswered prayer. Maybe something's going on in your life. Maybe you need a fresh touch from God. What's your moment? Believe God to receive that while we sing this song together this morning.